what's going on? Thanks for tuning in. This is, uh, this is something that has been in the making for uh, <laughs> about two years. And I'm going to jump right into it. Two years ago, uh, if you didn't hear or you're kind of new to this network or new to the, the world of racing, I was disqualified from the NHC and I was subsequently suspended for two years and needed to then ask to be reinstated, which I should go ahead and get out of the way now. I did email asking if I was reinstated and I was told that I have been reinstated. With that said, there's two reasons why I'm doing this. One is that, uh, three reasons really. One is that, you know, at the time when it all went down, it was probably in my best interest at the time just because of the way it was all unfolding to just shut up. Shut up, take it, let people say what they needed to say, not worry about clarifying any inconsistencies or confusion, just take it. Uh, I put myself in that position, which I'll elaborate on. And so just like deal with it. The second thing is I wanted to explain a little bit about why I did it. And I also want to explain how I feel about the NHC moving forward. So I, wanna, I wanted to get that part out. And I, and I didn't find like it was an appropriate time to do it. In the two years past, it needed to be something that I talked about now after the fact. Anything else before that would have seemed like sour grapes. Um, and then the third thing is, is that, which I hope will help people understand a little bit of the motivation and a little bit of the conversation here, but like a little bit hurt and frustrated. I understand that I did have, you know, I had my part in the situation, but the suspension, it's never sat right with me. And I want to point out that, you know, like when my son Googles my name, <laughs> he is under the impression that dad was cheating in a contest. And that's frustrating because in my opinion, we could have avoided that. So that's why I'm here and I'm going to try to get this out. I, I did it all by myself. I didn't want to bring Pete along for the ride. I just wanted to, to be able to get some things off my chest, clear some things up and, and here we go. Let's see how it goes. The first thing I'll say is, is here's what I did wrong. Here is where I made some mistakes and I want to be clear. I broke a rule. I broke a rule, right? I broke a rule, but I did not cheat, right? Like I didn't cheat. I broke a rule. And I think at the time it was hard to kind of point that out, but now it's much easier with what happened with those fellows from Chicago or wherever they're from that they allegedly with allegedly they did. I don't, cause I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what happened or like whatever, what the final answer is, but they like, they, they colluded and won money, took money away from other people allegedly. And that to me is cheating. I broke a rule. I deserve to be DQ'd. I was DQ'd and I want to be clear about that hundred percent. I don't even know if this ever came out or not. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. I think it probably did. I had a phone call with someone where in the process of doing this, I explained that I was going to play from my room and I was going to have a non-participant enter my bets for me. And that person told me like, that's fine, but you need to be here. You need to be here. They were very clear about being here. But, you know, if anyone who's listening to this, who's participated in the NHC, yeah, yeah, all know that people leave their cards with friends or some people are not doing good in the contest. They leave their card and they head out. They go ahead and go home to their families or whatever. Like, come on. I mean, like it, it happened. So it wasn't like this outside of the realm of reality, like that people have done this before. I think it's important that I'm being honest during this conversation. I did say that the reason that I wanted to stay in my room was a fear of COVID. 
Now, not the most honorable thing I've done. However, everyone out there, you've all used COVID to get out of a dinner with someone you don't want to go to dinner with. So spare me the, the, the pedestal. And in all seriousness, I, I guess, you know, my dad passed from COVID four months before this. I, don't, I, I guess I just felt like I was entitled to the excuse. I don't know. It was a stupid thing to do. And I'll elaborate on that later. But look, it is what it is, right? Based on how I feel about the NHC, which I'll elaborate on later, I just shouldn't have gone right? I think it's been well publicized or most people know my wife at the time, future wife owned Salivo, the restaurant in Saratoga. They did a pop-up at the Pegasus where they did like a pop-up restaurant, which was a really cool thing for them and for her. And I wanted to kind of be there to hang out and support, but I also wanted to watch life is good and Nick's go run in a circle. And I didn't necessarily want to, with those two things as choices, I didn't necessarily want to sit in the ballroom at whatever Bally's or whatever it is and scrounge around for drink tickets so that we can get a Corona without having to pay $7 for it or, you know, whatever. Like I said, made a mistake, but that was the, the choice I made was to do that. You know, the one thing that bothered me through that whole process was this idea that what I did was like this arrogant move. It was absolutely the opposite of arrogant. It was really stupid. It was dumb that I thought that I could go to the Pegasus and that no one was going to recognize that I was at the Pegasus and not at the NHC. And like the funny part about, not funny, but like if we're making light about it two years later, I'm wearing like the most loud, ridiculous blue and orange hoodie that like I've ever owned in my life as if I wasn't going to stand out. And let's be honest, <laughs> I don't necessarily look like everyone in racing, right? I mean, so it's like, it's not like I wasn't going to stick out. So it wasn't the opposite of arrogance, just pretty stupid. And then the other thing I want to say too, that I want to apologize for is I, I, I do, I do want to apologize to the people at the NTRA that I was friends with or acquaintances with based on the fact that like, I know that when all of this started to go down, they were asked a lot of hard questions and they were put in a pretty precarious situations by my actions, by my decisions. And so I, for that, I do apologize. Um, specifically to Keith, because like he reached out to me and when it was all going down and I had already kind of made my bed. So I had to lay in it. And, uh, I've told him this pri privately as well, but, uh, I want everyone else to hear it as well out loud and no offense to, to all the other people. I'm not going to name check everyone. Cause if I name check everyone, I'll end up leaving someone out. But in general, it was never meant to be a, a malicious thing towards the individuals at the NTRA that work there and that are, that are, and I, that I acknowledge a little bit later that are just, you know, trying to make the event the best that they can with the hand they're dealt. So what happened? Cause this is another thing I just never really get to talk about. So I flew to Vegas the day before, like when registration is, I flew to Vegas. I got my cards. I checked in. I left my cards. I want to be clear about this with a non-participant. Like I left my cards with a non-participant, someone who was not playing in the event, left my cards with a person who wasn't playing in the event. And then I went to dinner with friends. I think, I think, I went, yeah, I went to dinner with friends. And then the next morning at like 5am, I flew to Florida. I flew to Florida and, and it's also important to note that I had a flight, not that it matters, but I had a flight booked on Sunday morning to go back to Vegas in the event that I made the cut. So I would have been present for the morning on Sunday before you make the final table. And obviously if I would have been fortunate enough to make the final table, which I probably wouldn't have because my opinions the rest of the weekend were trash, I would have been there. Not that it matters, but I just, I had the intentions of, of, of going back if I needed to. <laughs> Funny enough, at, at the Pegasus, 
Tom Rooney, the, the new CEO at the time, like newish CEO, um, saw me and I guess relayed that back that I was there. And I'm just going to say it cause this is an honest podcast. In hindsight, it was kind of funny that like the CEO of the NTRA that puts on the NHC and we'll talk a little bit about numbers later that make, you know, almost a million dollars off of the horse player and the, and the event itself. Why would he be at the Pegasus and not at this event? That's such a, whatever. That's just me being poopy and like pointing that out. They found out they DQ'd me. That's, that's what happened. I tried a little bit to kind of like from a technicality standpoint, go with the rule must be present to win. Sure. Technicality. My thing was I would have been present if I was going to win. I would have been there, whatever. I get it. Technicality. Look, I, I, I was trying to, I was trying to be in two places at once. I deserve to be disqualified and there's no arguing about that. And there it is. No big deal. So what happened after that? Well, the next day was, was weird because, you know, I was, I was hanging out with friends and family and we were having a good time. And then people started writing articles and people started tweeting and people started, I guess, guessing it was me or knowing it was me. I don't really remember exactly how it all went down, but like it, and then like the cheating thing started, you know, like people saying you should be fired from TV for cheating. Come on. I mean, I broke a rule, right? Like disqualify me, move on. That was a little bit uncomfortable for me with the cheating stuff, but what are you going to do? Right. You know, I think initially I remember tweeting something about like, I'm done being nice which what I think what I meant by done being nice is that let me be clear about this is that since 2014 or 15 or whatever, when I had my two entries in the final table and I won the tour, I've obviously been like friendly with spent a lot of time with a lot of personal connection with the people of the NTRA. And so a lot of my thoughts and feelings and opinions about the event were always kind of suppressed and, 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 and kind of restricted because I couldn't, it was too intertwined personally to like say what I really wanted to say about certain aspects that I will eventually say here today. And so when I said I'm done being nice, it was like, all right, I was being frustrated, probably a little embarrassed. And I lashed out. Obviously nothing ever came from me saying anything. I never said anything at that point. I just shut up and I uh, got a lot of advice from a lot of people that, that I love and respect. And, and, and I just decided at that time it was probably appropriate for me just to shut my mouth eat the poop sandwich that I made for myself and go with it. In the meantime, I had a couple conversations and look, I'm just going to say this right now. I'm not a journalist. I am going to kind of give my, my account of a majority of what happened. Like, cause I, I'm, I'm fairly certain I talked to Keith Chamblin bef before the NTRA players committee, but if that's not true, cause I can't even tell you what happened. I just think I talked to him like, Hey man, what's going on? I'm sorry. This was blah, here was what the thing, you know? And then he told me that he, they were going to have me on the players committee call. I also talked to Tom Rooney, which was the first time that I'd ever talked to him. And it was a semi pleasant conversation where I kind of told him a little bit about what happened, why I did what I did, my, my thoughts and my opinions about the NTRAs NHC and how they handle it and all that stuff. And he basically was like, well, I'm going to leave it to the players committee to make a decision. All right, cool, whatever. So at that point, they decided, which I think is important that, that Tom Rooney and the team decided to leave it in the hands of the players committee. Now, I was on that committee and I was on it with a couple of people who a couple, of, I, I don't want to get them involved in this. I was on it with a couple of people that also decided to get off of it. And the reason being is because 
and this is not uh, look, and I don't even remember half the people that are on it, so I'm not trying to be ugly. And I just and and, and I'm just gonna say this one for sure. Just, I'm not talking about necessarily Chris Larmy. I like Chris a lot. And I've and actually have seen Chris since this happened. And I expressed to him that I was disappointed in the way they handled that situation, but it wasn't a personal thing against him. The, the players committee is um, a lot of when I was on there, it, I will say that, that not everyone, not everyone at all. So if the shoe fits and you're offended by this, this comment, then it's probably you I'm talking about. If it doesn't fit, then it's not you. It just lacked a little bit of kind of creativity and ideas on how to help grow the, the NHC and, and grow contest play and all that stuff. And, and I felt like we kind of banged our heads. I say we, I'm talking about me and a couple of the other folks that were trying to like, you know, I remember at one point, I'll not, this is one thing I'm definitely sure of that when I, we were pushing for rules about collusion, this is right around the Eric Mumi thing. And so many people on the committee kept saying like, well, how do we police it? I mean, how do we police it? How do we police it? Well, it's very, it's policeable. I mean, I can, I can have a, a computer write my resume for me now with AI. Like it's, you, it's very doable. But anyways, we got off that committee. That committee was the committee that made the decision on what was going to happen with me. I had a call with them. Uh, I was later told that like I came off kind of arrogant in the call, I guess, which is like, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I wasn't being arrogant. I think that a little bit of, I was frustrated and I think maybe I was like, I don't really care about the event. I think maybe might've offended some people, but this is what I do know that I said is I asked everyone on that committee and I admitted that I did something wrong. And I want to say that someone was like, Oh, you were being dishonest. You were being dishonest. Yes, of course I was being dishonest. I admitted that part. I said, look, I will sit out for two years. I'll sit out for five years. I'll sit out for life. Please don't suspend me because it sends the wrong message to those that may not fully understand what happened. And while I was punished by the DQ, which is completely fine, I was completely fine with that, and I didn't think that they needed to take another step to suspend me. And in my personal opinion, they did it because it because I think it was someone, I'm trying to say this the right way, like someone who like, basically like I'm on TV, right? So it's like, if this person on TV who is an NHC tour champion doesn't find it important to be at this event. It's not a great look for us. And I think that they felt like they had to be on the offense. That's my personal opinion. I don't know if that's true or not, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But I did say I would sit out for two years, five years or forever. If, if that was the punishment that they felt like they wanted for me, but I asked them not to suspend me for various reasons when I say so that people don't get the misunderstanding, which is one of the things that has me the most frustrated is that right around Breeders' Cup last year, my son, who's 12 years old, says, you know, I talked about the, you know, we were talking in the car about the Breeders' Cup betting challenge or something. And, and he goes, hey, dad, is that the one you, you can't play in because you, were, you got caught cheating? <laughs> no, but I mean, look, he didn't read that. None of the articles said cheating, but I think that was just his perception by whatever. And I was like, no, but I didn't cheat. I just broke a rule and I was punished for it, whatever. And, but it's like, they didn't, it didn't have to go down that road. That was a road that they chose for it to go down, whatever. It's fine. I broke a rule. I was being dishonest and I, and I was punished by getting disqualified in a contest that I was doing pretty good in as a matter of fact, but whatever. Um, and, and, and look, uh, and, and, and even like now, even more, the way that they decided to give the exact same punishment to people who allegedly colluded and took money out of people's pockets is wild to me. And I will say this, I did have a conversation with Keith Shamlin and, uh, and Tom Rooney prior to doing this. 
And the reason that I had that conversation, this is what I told them basically is that like, you know, I don't feel like they really gave me a heads up on how they were going to handle something. And I wanted to say it out loud to them first prior to just releasing this and like them kind of getting blindsided by it. That call pretty much ended with Tom Rudy hanging up on me. I mean, I guess he said, God bless you first and then hung up. So maybe that doesn't technically count as is, is hanging up, but anyone who's got a, a girlfriend or a wife or a, a husband or whatever, like if you don't let the other person say bye, you're kind of hanging up on them. <laughs> but, but anyways, uh, but then I ended up, you know, at least having a nice goodbye and, and, and a, in a cordial goodbye with, uh, with Keith Chamblin, who said something that, that really does resonate with me. And I appreciate that. And I'll keep it private. It wasn't like he said, like you did anything wrong. He said, I'm sorry, Austin as reads those things. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't think that I deserve it. Doesn't mean that he does think I deserve it. Doesn't mean any of that it just means that he understood, he was being empathetic to that feeling that I felt in that situation. Part of the call was going to be like, Hey guys, I'm going to do this podcast where I'm going to say some things. I think maybe at the end of the call, it was always in my brain to kind of be like, Hey, do you guys, you know, want to come on for a Q and a at the end? Do you want to come on to, to kind of uh, address your portion, whatever. And we never got to that. So basically that's what happened. I got suspended. The only thing that I've really done after I got suspended is I've made some cheeky comments on our podcast. That's one thing I've done. The other thing that I did, and I don't know if anyone's ever noticed it, except for Greg Wolf and Lafitte Pinkai, is I've asked them to not introduce me as the 2015 NHC Tour Champion, but to introduce me as a champion horse player, which I will remain a, a champion horse player, and unfortunately not a 2015 NHC Tour Champion. Let's see, what else? This is something that I thought I was going to do for a very long time. I've been saying, as soon as I get reinstated, I'm doing this podcast. As soon as I get reinstated, I'm doing this podcast. And I was hoping that over time that maybe it would kind of wear off. Didn't feel like I needed to, but here we are, I'm doing it. Now, with all of that said, um, I want to talk a little bit about why I made the choice I made and why I feel the way I feel about the NHC and my thoughts about the NHC moving forward. I want to start by saying what the NHC does right. It is the best horse player convention there is. I've made lots of wonderful friends, acquaintances. I'll, I'll actually probably reference my friend Eric Bialik here a little bit. Um, um, but like, you know, I said it on the podcast the other day, like I met him through that. I met Peter Thomas Fornatel through contests. The Matisse brothers, me and Nick Tamaro's relationship grew through tournaments. Yeah. The list goes on. Jack Jenkins and I, I, I'm going to forget Pete Marshall Graham, the, just everyone. Clay Sanders, I can keep going. Contests have got, given me a lot of friends. So that is one thing the NHC absolutely does right. Some of those times sitting in the Treasure Island in that bar downstairs and the conversations and having drinks and catching up with people, some of the dinners we've had there, they do that better than anyone else as a, as a horse player convention. Look, the growth of the event from $200,000 in 1999 to, to whatever it is now, it's very confused, 2.7 or 3 or whatever it is. I mean, that's cool. Like, that's a cool amount of growth in 20-some-odd in, in years. I'm not crazy about, hey, they've got to that number which I'll talk about, but I, it is something that I think is interesting. And then the staff at the NTRA, I, I, I do believe that, that their hands are a little bit tied in terms of, of some of the things that they could or could not do. But I will say this, they, they work hard to make it the best event they can within the restrictions that they are put under. They really do care. Specifically, Michelle and, and uh, has always been that where she, she wants to make it special, especially for like the newer guys too, like the or newer gals that get involved. I've always found that she, she makes you feel special. And, and that's, that's the, those are the things that the NTRA and the NHC do correctly and they do right in my opinion. So with that said, 
Um, here's why I made the choice that I made. The NHC is a bad deal for the horse player. And I think that it's initial goal of marketing and growing the game and celebrating the horse player has been lost. And financially, it is not something that I need to be a part of. I understand the big numbers that you might see. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I lost money when I won the tour. I lost money when I won the tour. I won $75,000. I did not win money when I won the tour. I saw the tour as an opportunity. So I chased it. And that's when I had, look, I mean, I had flight benefits and I still lost money chasing the tour. And it's not, and, and I like had it pretty comfortably too. So it wasn't like I was like bouncing around town like the last two months trying to win. So I want to say that. So that is why it was just not that important for me to be there or to take that chance that I took to try to navigate that rule and, and try to kind of skirt around that rule. It's because I wasn't really, I didn't, if I did get disqualified and I, like I told myself, I don't know, they catch me, I disqualify me. I don't really care. Like whatever, because of how I feel about the event. And I guess this is a good time. Like, I'm not trying to like do some like over the top, you know, reveal thing. And, and so I guess maybe this is a good time for me to say this and then go ahead and go into why I feel the way I feel about the event. And I think this is what made, <laughs> I think this is what led to Tom Rudy saying, God bless you and hanging up on me. I will never be a tour member again. And I never will participate in the NHC again. A lot of it has to do with the suspension stuff, how they handled it. But more of it has to do with the fact that I just don't agree with the way that it's set up. And I'll say Naira because they're my friends. If Naira made the Exacta uh, or the Pick 5 50% takeout, I wouldn't play in that either. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying 50%. I'm just saying that, you know, it's just not a positive expectation for me. And it's not something that I will miss, that I need to be a part of. So that's, that is something that I've been wanting to say for two years um, that I probably said privately to a lot of people. I'll never play again. I'm never going to play again. I have officially been reinstated and I'm out. I'm not going to play. Um, now, with that said, <clears throat> here are some of the things that, and I'm, look, I'm going to be sporadic about this because that's just like the nature of, of what this is. For the longest time, I have been told by someone who worked at the NTRA, and I'm going to change the sport. I was told that when trying to say, look, this is not a good deal for players. It's not a good deal. The math ain't always mathing. And it, there's a lot of problems from it from a takeout standpoint and all these things. I'm pointing out all these things all the time. And I was always told on a number of occasions that I pay, this person would say to me, I pay every month to be a part of my golf club. Every month pay to be a, a, a part of my golf club. And it's for entertainment. It's for this. But I'm like, yeah, but that golf is not a, is not a game based on gambling and financial return. You have to risk your hard earned money in order to qualify for the NHC. You, you can't just, I mean, unless you win one of those free contests, you, you, you can't be in the NHC if you don't risk your money. So you can't tell me it's not a money thing. It, you can't tell me it's an entertainment thing. It is a money thing. And if it wasn't a money thing, they wouldn't have given Michael Baychalk a million dollars and given no one else a million dollars. They did that because they knew there was marketing power behind having someone holding a million dollar check. 
And, and even, even the 800,000 or whatever, whatever they're giving now, it, it's so top heavy, but they do it because it's a marketing thing for them. And I understand that because when I've had this conversation with people that don't really understand it, I said, you know, I was telling someone the other day, I was explaining the contest. I said, you went at $800,000 and their, their eyes were like, oh, $800,000. I was like, yeah, yeah, but it's not, it's not, it's, it, yes, you could win 800,000, but if you get second, you're, you're grossly underpaid. It is a financial thing. And the tour was designed. The tour was designed to grow the prize pool, which in turn like grows the, 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 the takeout as well. But they made the tour because people were double qualifying and stopping. And they made the tour so that people would double qualify and keep playing, fueling weekend events online, fueling on track events, fueling those things. And, and that's why the tour exists. And I just don't, that doesn't sit right with me. You know, it doesn't sit right with me. And I, I feel like the NHC brings a lot of new, I think they, I think they have a great barrier of entry because the, the $2 win place, I think is a great barrier for entry, for understanding the game, simplifying the game a little bit, not complicating things with the picks and the, and the pools and all that stuff. I think that, that it is, it does have a nice entry, but the problem is, is that when you come in and, tr and you learn and you start playing in these free contests and you start playing online and you start playing in these $2 win places, it, it grinds you down. It grinds you down. And we'll talk about the, the the biggest issue that I see, which is the cost of the online seat versus the on-track seat and all those things. But I want to be clear that, that to me, the, the financial scenario within the NHC just doesn't really doesn't really jive with me. And I also want to be clear, I'm not telling people not to play, like do your thing. Like you, if you have fun and you enjoy it and it's convenient for you to play on the weekends and you know, I love horse tourneys and horse players. I love it all. Like it's, I'm, I get it. Do your thing. I, I'm not like knocking, um, you know, people for participating. And if that's what, if it fits for what you're doing, but after two years of being suspended, I want people to know like why I made the decision to not participate or to not really care if I was participating and then why I'm making the decision to not participate moving forward. I mean, hopefully this could spark some conversation that, that can hopefully help it, it kind of change a little bit. But so I just want to be clear about that. So when I talked about online being the problem, um, I'm not a math guy. Uh, Garrett Skiba once upon a time put some numbers together that uh, you could probably find somewhere. Um, I have been involved with Eric Bilek, who we, when I was on the, I don't know if I was on the players committee at that time or if I had gotten off, but we had sent some, Eric created it. I just like, kind of like sent it right. Basically some ideas of how lowering the, so let me back up the online seat. If you play on horseplayers.com or whatever to qualify the online seat, most of the contests are $165 and it's like one in 65, I think, get it. So basically the seat is valued at like 10,750, 725, whatever it is. Like you all know, if you listen to this podcast, JK tries math fails. It's something like 10 grand, whatever. But the seats, if you do the math on the overall contribution of players, whether they qualified online, whether it was a free contest, whether it was a tour member who got top 75 or whatever that number is, top 50 or whatever, or whatever it is, the math, a math and like the seat is, it was worth significantly less than the $10,000 that, that that that's laid out there and when I mean, you qualify on horseplayers.com. And, and the conversation that I've always had in, the, in that arena is, is that is, is two things. One is that they, I was always told that the reason it's more expensive one is to help fuel the prize pool, right? Because I guess of the convenience of it, 
and the expense of it, right? You can have a legit chance trying to win the tour or chasing the tour with only spending $165 with instead of having to go to the grade one gamble, which you should go to because it's the best contest outside of the Pegasus with the seated money and the BCBC. And I was also told it was to also reward the racetracks and to kind of funnel people to the racetracks where the seats cost less. And I don't know the math because it's very confusing. Whether you're a member track, you pay one thing for your NHCC, whatever. Um, And so it's confusing to me, which I think it's confusing to a lot of people, which is also why I was telling them for the longest time and other people too, that you should lay out the finances so that everyone can understand it. But people get very confused when the seats have different value. It can be very confusing to what I'm actually playing for, what this, this actually means. So, so the online seat is a problem and Eric put together this entire pro forma basically that said that if you were to lower, I think it was during COVID because people were like kind of locked in the house. So Eric was like, yo, like people are stuck. Why don't you do this? Try it now where to lower the price of the online seat, which would send more people to the NHC, which would send more, would, would make the contest be bigger and ultimately would, would, would improve the ecosystem of the NTRA and the NHC, improve the ecosystem. And then ultimately at the end of the day, you would actually get more people in the event and the prize pool would go up that way. I don't know. Is that trickle down economics? I'm not, I'll I'll ask Marshall, whatever it is. But like the basis of the idea was to lower the online entry fee. And the response that was met with basically, I'm paraphrasing, we've run the numbers or whatever, and our numbers don't support that theory. They didn't want to do it. So that's one of the things that I have a problem with when it comes to the, like the finances of the whole thing. This is what I honestly believe. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. The NTRA was built as a marketing wing, marketing organization and, and a lobbyist group, right? Where they're supposed to like go to Washington and fight for, for, for racing. And then also work as, as kind of growing and marketing the sport. Let's, you know, go baby go and the eclipse awards and on the NHC and, and, uh, you know, a majority of their other initiatives and and I think that part of the way they were fueled was was with racetracks paying their dues and all those things and I think that a lot of racetracks probably have started to pull back on that I don't think they can get the same dues they were getting these are all things that I'm speculating on if I'm wrong like I'm wrong whatever but it doesn't change the fact that I believe that the NHC grew at an astronomical rate and at the same time it was growing some of their other revenue sources probably weren't as good and they have just become dependent on the money they make from the NHC. And I surely don't want anyone to like not have a job or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I believe that's what prevents them from taking risks and making some necessary changes to the NHC to make it more player friendly, to create a better ecosystem, to grow the NHC, which I think the numbers are at the rate that it was growing and the rate that sports and gambling and communication and all, I think it's kind of become a little bit stale um, in terms of their growth. And the reason that I think that that's happened is because their hands, in my opinion, are a little bit tied. They, they aren't willing to take some chances to to uh, potentially make it better because if that chance is wrong, like lowering the $10,000 seat 
on, on, on horse players and making it a cheaper seat, getting more people involved. Well, what if that hurts their bottom line? Then that's a problem for them because I think they've just become pretty dependent on it. Look, stuff happens, man, like the economy and COVID and all these things. And next thing you know, other revenue sources aren't as good and this one's still rolling. You, you got to protect it. And I understand that, that that's a position that they're in, that I believe that they're in, but it's not something that I want to be a part of. Like some of the examples of that, if you look at the, on their website, they have a, like a funding document, which is, is it's, I don't know. It's a little bit confusing, but maybe that's just because I'm not a math guy. I, I don't know. It's just a little confusing to me, but basically there's some things in here you'll see where basically uh, one of the things I'll point out is that, uh, you know, the NTRA is, is, is making, uh, like I said, it's confusing. There's a number that says 869,000. And then there's another number that says like 600,000. I don't know if the 600 counts in the eighths. I don't know. They're making a lot of money, right? It's like I said, it's a confusing document. Um, it's weird to me. I think that they make more money than the person who wins the event. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of like the, I don't know, maybe the world series of poker makes more, maybe they make more than, than the person who wins with like other advertisements, but they're on TV. They, they like, they got like Bush light sponsoring them and beef jerky and all kinds of stuff. I just think it's a little bit tricky that the winner of the event, the other thing I'll say too, the, the hotel money, if you look at this and the travel hotel money, 724,000, uh, the travel money, 374,000. So over a million dollars to, to have the event in Vegas, not to mention the food and beverage, uh, in, in Vegas is, is expensive. So, you know, I don't know why not take that million dollars and give the winner $1.5 million or give the winner a million dollars and the second place person $600,000 and beef up the prize pool rather than having it in Vegas and just have it online. But that's my point is that I feel like that could or could not be a good idea. Maybe I'm wrong, but they just can't really take the chance in my opinion to, to see if that would work because if it doesn't work, it would, it would have a pretty serious effect on them. And that's, you know, I, I get it, but it doesn't change the fact that like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't change the fact that it's not really something that I want to do. And it's like, also like the hotels, like they don't really give them a break. I don't think in my opinion, they don't give them a break. You know, I mean, that's a pretty expensive hotel room at Horseshoe. Right. And I do know, because I remember, and I think a lot of you will remember too. And when, when at Treasure Island, we used to get those like hundred dollar free wagers or whatever. And then that started to go away from my understanding and like on the players committee and stuff that like the sports books and the hotels like really tried to act like we didn't move the needle for them. You know, they used to always complain that we we're all betting on our ADWs while we we're in there and that, you know, I just don't believe that. I mean, craps tables were always full when I walked by and when I was at treasure Island and at Bally's when I was there, but they used to always act as if that was the case. So if, if, if Vegas isn't going to be fully welcoming and they don't really want to, you know, I don't know, do it online or have it at a racetrack or something, or I, I don't know. I'm just, there's, there's something there, right? Looking at this thing, like I, just some of the things on here are a little bit silly to me. There's like a player's player benefits from sponsors at the NHC. And they have a number there of like the value, but it's like one of the things they have there is like the AV, like the audio video to me. that's like the world series of poker being like, Hey, look, we're going to take the chips, the chairs, the tables, and the dealers out of the prize money because like, you know, we can't do it without that. But it's, I don't know, isn't that the cost of doing business? Shouldn't that come out of the entity that's making the money? Shouldn't that come out of there? But like I said, this isn't very clear. So maybe I'm misunderstanding it, but that's what it seems like to me on this paper. And, and I don't quite 
I don't quite get that. We could go on for, for years and days uh, about this. I don't find it to be a positive expectation. I don't find, you know, I'm not, you know, I like to make fun of the EV police. I'm not knocking anyone who wants to go and hang out. And I'm not even saying that like, uh, maybe I am, but I'm not even saying I wouldn't like hang out with friends like in Vegas during it. Like I said, it is a fun horse players convention type of situation, but chasing it, trying to get involved in it. I, I, I don't necessarily need to do that for various reasons. And so, like I said, I, I wanted to, I wanted to come on here. I wanted to apologize again. I wanted people to understand where I screwed up. So I started with that, the mistakes that I made. I, I wanted to kind of clarify how things went down when they went down, the way they went down. And I wanted to, to, to point out some of the things the NTRA does good. Some of the things that I don't think they do so great when it comes to the NHC. And I wanted to publicly say that I will not be participating. So I can go on for days talking about some of the money stuff, but I don't have all the numbers. They're not all in front of me. It's very confusing. I'll just say that this is a lot of it just doesn't make sense to me. I know a lot of people. I'm not the only person, even people that I categorically disagree with about basically everything in the world. I just think the event could be phenomenal. I think there really could be a lot of growth with the event if there was a way that it could be more player friendly in terms of their wallets, because I think it grinds people out um, trying to get qualified. It's tough, man. One in 65 online for $165 a pop. It's tough. It's tough. I, 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 I wish that there was kind of a, just a different way that, that it could be looked at. And I tried on the committee to do that. I've, I've tried to express these things various times and I just, I wasn't able to do so. So look, that's basically it, man. I, I just needed to get a lot of that stuff off my chest. I got it off my chest. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. For those of you who were encouraging throughout this two years and like saying, you know, like that was a little bit silly. I can't believe they gave you two years. I appreciate you. For those who don't like me, you're probably not listening to this, but if you don't like me, like, I'm sorry if I did something to upset you. I, you know, I was just being stupid and I made a mistake and, and I, I paid for it. And I, I, I got my, I got my disqualification. I got my two year suspension and I'm uh, ready to move on. Learn from it. Thanks again for, for tuning in. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon.